feel these phantom pains inside me. Oh, I still feel these phantom pains inside me. of Anger Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion. I'm your host, Amanda Starling, here to talk to you about all things intersectional feminism, DIY, and of course, the music. I hope you're all still staying safe and healthy. Uh, It's been another busy week for me, but hey, this episode is coming out on Life Day, so all is well. And for those who aren't familiar with that holiday, just Google the Star Wars Holiday Special and enjoy. (laughs) See, those are the sort of things that are just kind of consuming my spare time and energy. I hope you're giving yourself moments of joy, little things that make you laugh or feel good, Um, especially as we're starting to come into this time of year and stuff, you know? Um, And I think for me, my areas of joy are definitely in fandom, friendship, and conversation with musicians, of course. Um, So (laughs) with that, let's move into this week's guest. Um, This week I'm joined by Kaylin, also known as the front person behind Tiny Stills. She's been playing music for some time, but it's in this project that Kaylin has really pushed and learned more about herself as a person and as a musician. Just as a heads up, we do talk about um, some heavy subjects like um, some brief discussion of violence as well as um, how heavy it's been living during COVID-19. So um, just take note in case uh, some of these subjects are a little difficult to listen to right now. This week, uh, Kaylin joined to talk about what she's missing during the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, releasing new m- music over the summer, what it's like playing with her bandmates, some of the videos they've made, and so much more. So with that, let's hear more music by Tiny Stills and then hear from Kaylin.
great right now but I'm actually I'm very happy to be here so thank you for having me of course um of course my listeners won't be able to see where you're at but you seem like you live in a really cool space is that your apartment or um this is my apartment um and I'm grateful that you think it's so cool obviously I've been quarantining here since March so I'm losing my mind it's a very (laughs) tiny guest house in North Hollywood that I have decorated with um fairy lights there. So I have fairy lights all over the ceiling here. Um, and this is all I have. I live in a tiny little space in North Hollywood. So thank you. I, I accept that compliment, but I would trade you any day. <laughs> I wouldn't mind doing a little switcheroo, honestly, because yeah, I'm like, fine with that. Because <laughs> I'm in Florida. I'm sure you wouldn't mind getting a change of scenery. I was supposed to go to LA in the end of August obviously that didn't happen because of COVID so I'm just like oh what I would give to be able to just like go on an adventure outside of Florida (laughs) and I'm sure you feel that way too with where you're at (laughs) I do I miss traveling so yeah I would welcome a switcheroo myself (laughs) (laughs) are you staying safe and doing okay through all this weird COVID stuff that we're living through I'm trying. I mean, I'm sure you understand, but Los Angeles, which is where I live, is a hot spot, and you try to be as safe as you can. So I wear a mask everywhere I go. I have a face shield if I'm going to like take in or to go get uh, takeout or something. Um, I haven't been going out to restaurants really, and I've been trying to stay as safe as I can. And I really stay inside a lot. You know, I'm asthmatic, and I don't want to get sick. And I don't want to get my family sick. So, um, yeah, I'm just trying to stay safe. Yeah, I totally understand yeah. that. I've been pretty much the same way because, yeah, we get these occasional upticks and stuff here and it can get a little bit freaky and definitely trying to stay safe for my family's sake. I've been helping out my grandparents a lot. So that means I have to be pretty much 100% quarantined. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've been very, very quarantined. Um, I've seen one other person pretty much without a mask on since March. Um, wow. And there's someone I'm, I quarantine with. So it's like, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to not get sick. I'm trying to keep my family healthy because I want to, I'm actually in the process of moving out of LA is what I'll, I'll, I'll mention too. So I won't be in this tiny little uh, fairy lit apartment <laughs> much longer after we have this discussion, depending on when this comes out, I might be living somewhere else. So um, yeah, I think a lot of people are leaving cities and I'm going to be one of them, at least temporarily, um, yeah. just to keep my family safe. And, you know, there's not a lot um, of benefit to paying a really high rent and living in Los Angeles when you can't take advantage of any of the perks of living here. So, 
Right. It's an awesome yeah. city from my understanding. And like, it's got to be a little bit heartbreaking to not be able to take in all of that right now. Yeah, I feel like, and maybe you can relate to this, but um, when I found out about COVID, so I remember the last time I was in a building, I went to CVS down the street to pick up some medication. Mm -hmm. And then um, everyone was running around, like people were running in CVS. And I remember thinking, okay, okay, something feels weird. And there was barely anything on any shelf. And they were definitely starting that hoarding mentality. So there was nothing like on the shelves and people were dropping things and running around. And I remember leaving CVS and thinking, okay, I haven't experienced anything like this before. I'm, I'm going to be staying in. Um, you know, this is more serious than I realized. And then that was really the last time I was anywhere inside a building without a mask, you know, like, and I didn't get to say goodbye to like my favorite venue or my favorite taco stand or any of these places or even my friends. I mean, like, I can't, I can't even tell, like my favorite venue is being sold right now in the process of being sold. Um, and I didn't get to celebrate the last of anything, which I think is a very common thing in life. You don't ever realize you're saying goodbye to someone or you don't realize it's the last time you're going to get to be in this space, you know, but it was so in my face that it's, it's a lot of grief that you have to process. And it's been continuous over the past like eight months. I don't know if you feel that way, but big time. <laughs> things are going to be completely different in two years. You know, and I think about the community and the music community and how different that's going to be. And it makes me sad. Yeah, it's a lot for us all to have to go through and stuff. And I mean, it's like, I think weirdly enough, Florida has prepped me for certain aspects of this in a way, because preparing for the pandemic to me was like preparing for a hurricane plus hand sanitizer and masks. <laughs> That's the most true statement I've ever heard. <laughs> that's literally it. If anything, yeah. the thing that's been like psychologically toying with me is the fact that after the hurricane, you're usually like without power, without connection, not doing anything for like up to like a week to two weeks, depending on, on like how hard hit your area was. Right. So yeah. if anything, it's like, I have, we have power and internet, obviously, but I mean, beyond that, it's kind of like living in that post hurricane instead of it being for weeks, for months. And it's so sudden and it's so strange. And it's like, you're still preparing, you're still protecting yourself, but like the storm doesn't end is probably the best way I can kind of describe what it's felt like. And I feel if anything, very fortunate. And of course I'm going to say this and then we're going to have a storm heading toward us, but I'm just like, I feel very fortunate. We haven't had a literal hurricane on top of this hit my area. So I'm just kind of like, Oh my gosh, it's just been a, it's been crazy. And like you, I didn't really get to say goodbye to anything. It felt like, I mean, I'm honestly grappling with the fact that I have two of my best friends moved out of state in the middle of the pandemic because they needed to make some different choices and stuff similar to probably what you're describing here with what you need to do too. And so it's like, uh, it's just really weird and hard because it's like everything is so far apart and you can't really connect with it in the same way. And yeah, there's, I, I'm scared for a lot of the venues around here and businesses too in particular and stuff I've been trying to like get at least like food delivery from my favorite spots hoping that keeps them afloat it's it's a weird time and I just at this point I've just got all of my thoughts and vibes and all of that kind of stuff toward everybody surviving this I know 
I think a lot of people feel similarly to yeah. what we were describing. So I guess that's a little bit of cold comfort with it all, but um, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm really hoping that things get better, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I know for me too. If anything, uh, one of the things that's kind of like helped me get through this is of course like new music and stuff. Having the energy behind your music and stuff has been super positive and keeps that mood up in ways that I needed. So thank you for that. Seriously, especially <laughs> the singles you released this year are just perfect for that. Well, thank you. What a pivot. <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you. Uh, that's funny. I really don't know if I could have written any of those songs after COVID considering right. how I feel right now. But uh, we did release three new songs this year um, because we had originally planned to put out an EP for an April tour we were planning. Uh, it was a Wiretap Records first full US tour that we were gonna do um, with um, some other Wiretap bands. And we were gonna feature different Wiretap Records bands in different cities. And it was gonna be this big, like cool, fun family, like community-based tour and then we recorded our EP and COVID happened. So we canceled the tour and we sat on these songs for a while because we weren't sure how bad it was gonna be and it ended up being worse than we realized. So we rescheduled the tour twice now um, and it still is remains to be seen if it's going to happen, um, fingers crossed. But we put out three songs this year that you can check out on all of our the streaming things, you know, where you find music. Um, with music videos too that we did socially distanced music videos for, which was uh, a feat in and of itself. Mm -hmm. We did our first socially distanced uh, photo shoot as well. So we did all of this stuff this year without actually seeing each other, um, I, which is kind of insane, uh, but we did it. So <laughs> it's, it's still lonely to do it, but we did it. <laughs> impressive, honestly, all that y'all have accomplished this year for sure, so. Kudos to you for still being able to, you know, even just things like making a video and stuff is an extremely difficult and creative thing to do. And to be able to release that to the world multiple times too, it's awesome. Thank you. It was definitely hard, but I'm glad we did it. And you can watch them on YouTube, <laughs> like <laughs> all the other videos. <laughs> oh. We'll definitely have to drop some links in the... Uh, <laughs> In the, in the show notes for folks that way they can get to them nice and quickly. Um. Yeah, yeah, please do. I mean, the only thing I can say as a teaser is that I think in like two of the videos, Mike's not wearing pants and you can't tell, but I don't know how that happened. Um, and I think in one of the videos, Chris isn't wearing clothes at all in one of the shots. You can't see anything, but it was really one of those things where I was like, why does this keep happening, you guys? Like, why? And I edit all the videos. And there are very explicit directions because Mike's girlfriend is shooting all the videos and he's like, make sure you can't see anything. And we're like, I, and I'm listening to these directions, like editing this film. And I'm like, I better not see anything. <laughs> I was like, Cause I didn't sign up for this. I don't want to see your junk. Anyway, so you don't, but you should still watch the videos. <laughs> tease for a not tease. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like, oh my God, Mike, this is insane. Oh, that's so funny. At least you got to laugh over that stuff as you're probably editing and putting it together. I did. I had so many fun laughs because they, they cracked me up. I still love my bandmates. So oh. it just made me miss them. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. 
Um, well, if you don't mind, I want to ask a little bit about you right now in a sense of like, tell me about how you first began to play music and um, what made you decide to pick up instruments? Yeah, I, um, it was a weird, strange journey into playing guitar. I originally started playing saxophone in band and I was a band kid um, in elementary and middle school. Um, I had some bad teachers that made me quit. And then my sister gave me her um, acoustic guitar for Christmas that she had gotten as a Christmas gift from an ex-boyfriend. So I think it was her way of cleaning out her closet. She didn't want this guitar that her ex-boyfriend given her. And I just ended up being on the receiving end of that. But I ended up learning how to play guitar because she gave it to me. So that really started my um, venture into songwriting. Um, and I couldn't play anything, so I wrote my own songs. Because I couldn't sound like someone else very well, but I could sound like me. So I experimented with a lot of open tunings originally, because um, those are easier to play on guitar than actual chords. And I just wrote songs from the very beginning. That's amazing. I love that, because yeah. in that sense, it kind of gives you a little bit of that creative freedom too, where you're just like, I'm just gonna do what I like and see where that takes me. and the results are fantastic. <laughs> well, thanks. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I wrote a lot of horrible songs <laughs> in my life, but I'm glad to be where I'm at now. I'm very proud of the stuff we're making, but you have to start somewhere and, you know, starting with guitar and writing my own music was easier than playing other people's stuff. I felt like I could be good at that and then it was, I kind of tricked myself into feeling good about what I was doing. It's very weird. Anyway, I recommend it. That works, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I know yeah. you mentioned that you were kind of playing your own music because learning others was a little bit harder and stuff, but were there any musicians that like you grew up on or quickly became hooked on as you were even learning to play music where you're like, that, that artist just kind of motivates me or um, that person even just gets me excited about playing my own music. Yeah, I started playing, I guess the first band uh, who I learned how to play their music was Green Day. Mm -hmm. um, and then of course I moved on to like Blink-182. Um, but I was really inspired by the music that my sister was getting me into. So when I was like 12 and 13, she would make me mix CDs. She would give me like mixtapes for my birthday. And I would just think she was so cool that I wanted to do everything she did. And I wanted to listen to the music she listened to. And I wanted to like it. And I wanted to be like her, you know? And and um, she got me into a lot of the music I listen to now, but um, she got me into like Jimi Hendrix. So I started actually learning how to play leads. I started learning how to solo. I started learning how to actually play um, different styles of guitar. Um, she got me into Operation Ivy, so I started getting a little bit angrier. She started getting in me, me into like all sorts of different styles of genre. She got me into Michelle Schacht, so I started learning jazz and jazz chords. And she got, you know, and so she really has a lot to do with what I listen to now, even. Like she was my original taste maker. Um, and she'll still always be cooler than me. <laughs> She had a mohawk when she was my age. She's still just like way cooler than I am. And I'll always say that, but 
um, I was the little sister just wanting to keep up with her big sister always. So um, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's still, I mean, I have pink hair now and she's a lawyer, but she's still cooler than me. <laughs> I'll still give her credit. She's the reason I have Doc Martens. She's the reason why I ever shaved part of my head. Yeah. And like, I just, yeah, I, she got me into everything. Um, so I listened oh, so awesome. much because of her. Yeah. Your sister sounds like a badass. And honestly, <laughs> it is like so yeah. cool that you had somebody who was kind of influential in that way for you because it kind of helped shape you ultimately and stuff. And whether it was a taste that you brought in um, just as influences or, or even just style, all that kind of stuff is so nice when you have that kind of positive influence in your life to just kind of keep ushering in all that good stuff. <laughs> yeah, I think I really would have been so different if I hadn't had her to look up to. And I, I think I take it for granted even looking back and it, I have to get prompted by questions like that to even realize, yeah, I mean, I am really lucky to have had someone like that. And, you know, even down to the instrument, I wouldn't have done what I have done it but she didn't give me that guitar that her shitty ex-boyfriend gave her you know it's like <laughs> I don't know so I think I owe a lot to my sister in, in that sense that's awesome and yeah. it's so special that you clearly have that kind of bond too to where you were able to share things back and forth like that too yeah she was very supportive of me and definitely like inspired me to be a strong um just a strong girl and then a strong woman you know like I I don't think I would have been good at raising my voice if it wasn't for her and um, also you know having to go to Catholic school you know it's like <laughs> these things you know if she wasn't so angry and I I wouldn't know how to be angry you know she was like righteously <laughs> angry about so much about the world and I um, always looked up to her for that that's awesome I yeah. love it um, so tell me a little bit about how Tiny Stills started. Yeah, Tiny Stills was originally a solo project that happened because my first band broke up uh, when I moved to Los Angeles. And um, it happened because I got held up at gunpoint in 2012 or 2013, the years mm -hmm. blur for me. Um, but after this really traumatic thing happened, I felt very isolated from my social circles and I felt isolated from my friends. And I was living in a punk house at the time and I had to move out of the punk house and live on my own for the first time. So I started writing by myself and I started writing songs that I wanted to hear, songs that were happy, but not necessarily about happy things, just songs that um, on the surface level felt very, uh, uplifting to me but the lyrics were still true to what was happening inside which was like I think very um kind of like what was happening on the internet everyone looked happy you know but was really going through some horrible shit and I felt like that irony really resonated with me so a lot of Tiny Stills's original material was me um writing by myself and then since then it's gone through a couple different um lineup changes but now it's Chris and Mike and me and that's the most recent one and that's that's basically uh the lineup for the three singles we put out this year that's so awesome how did yeah. you connect with Chris and Mike and what do you like about playing with them okay so Chris 
and I met because we have a mutual friend who's also named Mike, but not the other Mike. Uh, his name's Mike Pepe, and he's an engineer and producer that we both work with, and he introduced us. And um, Chris is a big smiley face of a person. Um, he's always positive. He's always like a good vibe. Um, and obviously like a talented, great guy, but we really clicked and hit it off because I feel like I'm really like driven and focused. And Chris is like, it's all good, man. Like, we're just here. We're just, we're, this will, this is going to be great. And I'm like, how can you say that? Like, I, I'm like, not, I'm the opposite of Chris in that way, but he always like lifts me up and makes me happy. And then, um, Mike, I met through just playing music in Los Angeles. He's in a band called the Gutter Daisies and we played a bunch of shows together and I love the Gutter Daisies. And we just kind of became friends through the music scene and slowly kind of convinced him to join the band. Uh, we we kind of, we went on a tour together um, for the first time uh, in 2019. It was me, Chris and Mike. And we had so much fun that me and Chris were just talking to each other afterwards and said, you know, we have to convince Mike to play with us so we can do this again. Because when we were on tour, it felt like, um, I don't know if you'll remember this, but if you've ever had a sleepover with some of your best friends where you can't stop giggling. Yes, 100%. That, that was the vibe of every like minute that we were like together, you know, and even after the show, you know, when we're trying to come down and like go to go to bed you know, we're all just laying there, like, in the same room giggling, like, <laughs> and I'm like, this feels like a, like a sleepover with some of my best friends, like, we were just having so much fun, so just, it's a combination of, like, mutual friends and just mutual respect, and being able to work with them is great, because we get along so well, so I love them so much, and even the stupid videos they send me are hilarious, <laughs> um, so I'm alone and laughing my ass off, you know, editing these videos because it's just reminding me of how much fun we had together on tour. So oh, yeah. that's really nice that you have these people <laughs> to play with and stuff that just give you yeah. like the right mood boost and really sound like great people to be on the road with, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, they really are. And that's so important because even, I mean, the touring gone right now, it's obviously not as, you know, in the forefront of everyone's minds, but being on tour with someone is can be horrible. Mm -hmm. And if it's not, that's really special. And you kind of have to look at that, you know, and you have to ask yourself, you know, is this someone I can spend six weeks, 12 weeks in a van with? And mm -hmm. if you can, like, that's, it's really important. You have to like each other too. Otherwise you'll just drive each other crazy. That's you know? true. Yeah. yeah. I feel like the best fans have that kind of like, you know, consistent chemistry where it's like, you have that close friendship energy to it. You also have the ability to, it seems like, to just like know how to help each other when one's down or in a bad mood or even just sort of like, oh yeah, I know that one needs coffee or whatever even, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it was, it was really nice because, you know, you always try to help each other on tour because mm -hmm. um, it can be kind of dangerous to be on tour. And if you're not looking out or you're doing stupid shit, or you're not paying attention, you can get hurt, you can lose money, you can hurt other people. You know, there's so much that can go wrong. And, you know, 
you can't be an idiot and like be out on the road. You have to be like looking out for each other. And Mike and Chris always did that for me, you know? And it's a matter of safety mm -hmm. too, who you keep close to you on tour. And they're just good people, you know? And it's so important to surround yourself with good people. So, yeah. That's awesome. Well, I'm glad that you found those people. Yeah, they're great. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I love the sound that you make with Tiny Stills, this like energetic power pop with a lot of thought behind it and stuff. Um, how did you kind of shape your sound as Tiny Stills over time? Because you've released music for a couple of years now, at least. So if anything, there's been a little bit of development there. And I'm kind of curious, like, how, do you, how have you molded that? Yeah, I think there's been a lot of change from the first record that came out in 2014. Um, and then obviously it's, you know, 2020. Um, but I think when I was, a, you know, a younger writer, I didn't quite understand my voice yet um, from a physical level or from like a what I was saying level. Um, and I just learned how to understand yourself better, I think, as you get older and you learn your strengths and you learn your weaknesses and you learn what comes across and what doesn't. And so if you can be critical without, you know, um, discouraging yourself, I think you can find a way to kind of hone your voice a little bit more. And I feel like we're really kind of reaching that point where I feel like I'm just getting to be a better writer, learning what I want to say. Mm -hmm. um, I think I was very cryptic in my first like bout at songwriting. Um, but I think that I, at the end of the day, I love songs that have a purpose. I love songs that connect with people. And sometimes in order to do that, you have to just say what you mean and you have to find a creative way to say it um, that feels true to yourself. And I just think I try to push that every time I'm writing. I have to just be more and more honest. And that's hard. You know, sometimes you don't wanna say the things that you think, um, but those are always the things consistently that you learn people really connect with. And I don't know, it's, it's not always easy to say it, but yeah, I think I'm learning how to be better at writing, so. That's awesome. I'm glad you've had that journey for yourself and it's definitely continues to show as you release more and more music too, because like, I felt like uh, Laughing at the Void was such an honest and personal piece for you. It's all the songs in there, there was just so much where I feel like you were sharing personal pieces it seems like of like memories and experiences and it seems like you were very like unafraid to share with everybody what you were feeling whether it was within the music itself or even what you were like singing in your lyrics too yeah and I think that was as I kind of continued on that's our yeah and you mentioned sec left into the void that's our second full-length record mm -hmm. um and I think I was really kind of coming into that voice um, and yeah, it's, I'm proud of that record. I, it has some of my favorite lyrics on it. I, I think, um, it came out really great. We kickstarted it. Um, so that was a fully funded, like self-created record and, and it wasn't easy to do it, you know, but I'm, I'm really glad we did. And I'm proud of that record too. That's so awesome to hear. Can you tell me a little bit about like your songwriting process? How do things kind of come together for you and do you get to like co-write with Chris and Mike at all? Or how does it, how does it happen? Well, it's been extra hard since we can't actually be in the same room, but 
um, what we did for these last few songs, uh, it's it's basically me uh, coming up with an, a song that sounds and feels good on an acoustic guitar, and then I'll bring it to them and we'll arrange it. And we'll kind of fit it into this cool arrangement, cool mold, and like the more they can put their stamps on things. Um, sorry, my dog is drinking water. You might hear it. Um, <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> but it's, he's distracting me. Um, but yeah, like they kind of put their stamp on it and get to elevate it in that way where, you know, I feel like I'm very particular about what I want a, so a song to say, but the arrangement I feel like is where they come in and, and it gets to be more of like a exaggerated full-blown production and so they they really help with that that's amazing i feel like that definitely happened with these three new singles you dropped this year because i feel like there's so much energy and life into those songs in particular that you pump in it doesn't even matter if it's like a heavier subject matter if it's something that you're kind of just kind of playing with anything within that song i just feel like there's so much vibrancy whether it's like certain guitar parts, the way that the drum hits, all of it. It just feels like it's very rich and energetic all throughout, so. Thank you. Yeah, they, I feel like those songs came out so good. So I'm, again, really proud. I feel like every step has been like a little bit cooler, a little bit closer to what I, I hear in my head. And I think they've really helped to get there. That's so awesome, especially when you have the right bandmates who can kind of help bring what you've got in your head and the vision that you've got to life to get it that much closer to what you really want it to be. Yeah, for sure. They, they're great. And I love working with them and I'm sad we haven't been able to work together a lot this year. Um, basically what we have now is a Dropbox folder uh, called you should probably write these songs <laughs> and it's snippets of things that I don't want to forget about. And I have lost perspective on as to whether or not they're good and they have been combing through them over the past few weeks and we're working on trying to pick out the next batch of songs that we need to work on. So right now it's a socially distanced songwriting situation, but um, we're still trying to keep the momentum going as much as I we can. I love that. Yeah. It's really special, especially like the fact that they want to stay just as engaged as you do and stuff. And, you know, you'll find your way to navigate all this stuff, I'm sure. But in the meantime, the fact that you're still able to have some creativity come out right now is just incredible to me. I know it's been hard on a lot of creatives. There's this idea, I feel like, that mainstream culture has the like, oh, yeah, now you have all this time to be creative. And it's like, with what energy, <laughs> you know, or like with what, yeah. what headspace. So if anything, when I see people even just talking about learning something or doing creating something it's just like the fact that you even have it on your mind to me is just like a huge awesome accomplishment you know yeah i mean i i'm not gonna lie i it hasn't been easy to do it and i often open the folder and i'll listen to something and i'll get really discouraged pretty quickly and i'll just think like you know that nothing i have to say matters as much as what's happening right now and there's so many more important things happening and that I'm, you know, you feel very small and you don't have a lot of energy to kind of put in into creating things. And I'm right there with you. I, I don't subscribe to the idea that if you have more time at a time like this, you can be more creative because you're creative when you're bored and your needs are met. And right now, no one's needs are met. Like, yeah. 
people are broke and they are stressed about paying their bills and they don't have a job or if they do have a job, they have to go in and be exposed to people who are potentially sick or who refuse to wear a mask. Um, and it's not a good time to be creative. I hate that. I hated when the, the world shut down and people said, we're going to get so much good art out of this. And I thought, you guys are so full of shit. You have like no idea. Like you're not going to get any art out of this because all of your artists are broke and tired. Yeah. You know? So yeah, I felt very angry when I saw that and people saying that. So I feel, I feel what you're saying. Right. It feels almost at times like like the idea of using people in that sense, like they're some kind of machine. Cause it's just like, yeah, totally. They can be creative right now. Like it, it, it feels like you're just siphoning off of people rather than appreciating is what I got out of those kind of posts too. When I saw them on social media, it's kind of like, eh, no, that's not how it works. Yeah, <laughs> that's how you, creativity works. You can't, yeah. You can't make yourself feel bad if it's not happening either. Right. You know, like, there's a lot of pressure on the world right now to be, you know, I don't know. There's a lot of pressure right now. Everyone has to deal with. And if you are feeling like you can make art right now, I'm who, blame, who can blame you? <laughs> like, <laughs> do you see what's happening? Like, right. I so. had to take like a month off of podcasting even at one point. Cause I was just like, so mentally taxed because of like working full time and trying to keep momentum and, I was like, okay, I'm just mentally tired. I just have to stop for a little while and let myself recharge. And I'm so glad I did because now it's like, okay, at least I have some energy toward this before I was just felt like completely flat, you know? I do, I really do. And I think I often feel that way when I sit down to write and um, especially write new things. Mm -hmm. So that's why I have that old folder that I can dig into if I'm feeling uninspired. Cause at one point I was inspired and I can look at old versions of myself and go, well, what was I feeling then? Can I get back to that headspace? But in terms of making new music, like I've released a solo song called dating in the apocalypse at the beginning of this whole thing, because it was so sad and all I could think about was how sad I was and how lonely it felt to be isolated in this specific situation. And, and it was very like time capsule -y. like it, it was a lot about quarantine and feeling alone, but it was something I felt like I had to get out and release it, mm -hmm. but it wasn't a tiny still song. It's, it's on Spotify under my name, which is Kaylin West, which is even hard to spell, but you know, you can find it if you're, interested in it but it's it's one of the only things i've been able to write that's new since this all started and it's sad it's a really sad song about how lonely it is right now so well i appreciate you creating it all honestly and everything that you've been doing through this time and stuff i feel like um for people like me, at least, it feels like a reprieve that I can turn to your music right now and have something where there are some pieces within your lyrics that like they tap into that little feeling that I've got right now, but also there's like this emotional upswing within like the the style of music that you have, like with Craigslist Bed, which I love that song because of just <laughs> the energy that you pump into it and then stuff. And it's like, you're talking about these feelings of like loneliness and trying to figure out how to navigate pain and it's more so in relation to like a broken heart, but like, it's so 
universal because I think we all have something broken in our hearts right now, but there's this energy right now to it, right? Within that music where it's like, okay, I can get through the things that I'm feeling right now, this negativity, because it's like, it's just that, that juxtaposition. What was it like for you to kind of work on the song and um, kind of bring it to life in 2020 with it being released? Yeah, so Craigslist Fed um, was originally written in December of 2019 and recorded in January of 2020. So everything kind of hadn't hit the fan yet. Mm -hmm. Um, But when we were arranging that and working on it, that song is one of the only songs that started as um, a guitar riff first. So that song, um, I was sitting at my, you know, in my kitchen and thinking about how do I want to hear a record start? If I had to put on a record and I had two seconds or four seconds to like get into a band and go like, yeah, this is my shit. What would I want to hear? And so that, opening guitar riff and those drums were the first thing that was written in that song, Um, which is weird because usually I I write the lyrics first. Um, But that song started a little differently and I kind of knew I wanted it to be this like kind of upbeat, sad, angry anthem Mm -hmm. that I wanted people to be able to sing along to. Um, Because I felt like it was universal. Like you said, that feeling that everyone has that, that kind of feeling you that people can't relate to you or you feel alone like you feel like people don't understand what's going on in your life and so you feel isolated by it like I feel like it's a really universal feeling and um yeah I've been really working hard at getting energy in those vocals (laughs) (laughs) I sang that one a lot and it was hard but I got it Yeah, the payoff um, is there for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and that was um, produced by and engineered um, by Paul Miner, uh, who is in Death by Stereo. And I love working with him. And he's got great ideas on like melodies and harmonies. So when we went into the studio, uh, he always challenges me to be more aggressive, to be more present with my performances. So it's it's cool being coached and pushed in that way. So he's definitely helpful in that way too. That's so awesome. And what a great opportunity to just kind of have somebody who gets you coached and has that motivation for you and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I just, you know, and I say this all the time when I'm recording so that it gives me like a chance to experiment, but I, I get in the booth and then I say, all right, it's going to suck till it doesn't. (laughs) And uh, it's just like, it's, I feel like it's my way of saying, like giving myself permission to just experiment and eventually I'll get there, but maybe I won't, you know, maybe I'll land somewhere I shouldn't, or maybe it'll be great and something will inspire something else. But vocally, like that was a challenge on these last three songs to kind of get that energy in there. Um, But we got there. And it was fun. It was really a cool thing. I love that. I love it so much. And I feel like um, you went in some really interesting places. It feels like vocally and with the tone of the music too. Like I loved resting in pieces as well because of just this. um, I felt like you were able to capture the mood of like this kind of verbal clash, I guess is the best way I can describe that. And um, everything that you kind of say within that song is really meaningful whether it's like within the music itself or the lyrics too. What was it like working on that one? So I'm, I'm trying to think back. So resting in pieces, 
that was one that definitely started out with just me and acoustic guitar and kind of like um it was just it was actually finger picked the whole song so it kind of felt like a folk song at first mm -hmm. and then we took the chords and we split them up and and we split up the voicings so that initial riff in the beginning was just like a c chord like oh. a c a c chord that we split um to be like octaves apart from each other and kind of change that finger picking pattern into the guitar riff that it became so uh that wouldn't have been that we wouldn't have done that if, if chris didn't come over and we sat down and kind of rearranged the song um that one didn't have a bridge for a long time until like the week before we recorded it so i get stuck on bridges all the time so that didn't have a bridge and that bridge is actually from a song that I played on tour in 2015 that never got recorded. Oh, wow. uh, when, I was, when I was on tour with Anthony Ranieri in 2015, um, I played a song called Phantom Pains. And a few people messaged me and said, where's the recording of this? I don't have it. And I sent it to them on email, but that's the only recording that exists of the song, really, it's just a demo. But the, the bridge from Phantom Pains became the bridge for resting in pieces. So now oh, cool. I can't play this other song because we used the bridge from the first, this, this song that originally <laughs> I only played live. Uh -huh. um, so I had to retire, I have to retire that one, but some people <laughs> have it. It's out there somewhere. It's in their emails. Um, but yeah, that, that song was, was tricky, but still really fun. I love that. I feel like we just got some like Tiny Stills trivia right there. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, no one really knows that. It's kind of a shameful secret too because I struggle with bridges so much, but I did recycle that one. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no one knows except for us now. It's just very punk, so, honestly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. God damn it. Um, but yeah, so it's recycled, but it still works. So. Absolutely. I love everything that you kind of captured here in the video for it too. I loved it because to me, what I thought of when I was watching it was, it was like pinatas as the Sour Patch Kids of quarantine. <laughs> was that That's exactly we're going for? That's what we were going for. <laughs> That's great. It worked. <laughs> was that fun for y'all to kind of put together? I'm sure the guys had fun messing with these pinatas too. Yeah, that was, that was fun. Um, we really, had fun coming up with ideas that we could each do individually and pull together for a music video. So this video is us basically killing pin pinatas. Um, we are each in a relationship with our pinata and <laughs> the pinata and our relationship individually goes downhill uh, throughout the video. You can see that we're not getting along um, and we end up killing the pinata. Uh, AKA resting in pieces, <laughs> not promoting any kind of domestic violence, simply promoting that pinatas become pieces. They're made the to be broken. Video. They're <laughs> made to be broken. It's not right, exactly. So um, it was really fun, honestly, to destroy these things. So we got a little bit of energy out and we got to eat a lot of candy. And I actually got very sick after that. That's, I really did. Oh I my ate gosh. too much candy. Yeah. Oh, at least it was fun, probably, I'm sure, until you got sick. <laughs> it's, yeah, see, I really struggle because I, 
I don't really do drugs. I've never really done drugs. I, but I do eat a lot of candy and I can't <laughs> really stop. Like I really can't, it, it's funny, but my nickname on tour is snacks and it's <laughs> snacks for a reason. And it's because I'm always eating junk. Like I really am. And it's bad and it's gonna come back to bite me um, as I get older for many reasons. But yeah, I got sick after that video. Oh my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Oh my gosh. I love that as just like the little confession here. <laughs> Truly though, I, yeah, I'm, it's kind of embarrassing, but I, I also bought a bag of, or had a Halloween, bag of Halloween candy because it's, it's October, you mm -hmm. know, which is exciting. Um, and my boyfriend bought a bag of Halloween candy and was like, here, we'll be festive. This will be great. And then he surprised me with a bag of Kit Kats. And I was like, oh, I love Kit Kats. And I ate the whole bag of Kit Kats. And I don't think he had, did you have like three Kit Kats? I had a time. You, you, you're being hard on yourself. <laughs> I had a, he, he said he had a few. He didn't have a few. I ate most of those Kit Kats. I, he's being very uh, nice to me right now. I ate that whole fucking bag. Okay. <laughs> So, yeah. I understand completely. And it, the same thing happens in my house. The Reese's were brought in. I am the only one oh. who ate them and I ate pretty much all of them. <laughs> God, I just, like I get so much joy from food. And especially <laughs> in, when I'm stressed out or like when the world feels like it's falling apart or there's a pandemic or a psych psychopathic election happening. I'm like, give me all the chocolate. Like I mm -hmm. just... So I watch Dragula at night and I just pound chocolate and then I go to sleep. And that's really my drug. <laughs> like if I had to answer the like dare question, which is like, what's your anti-drug? It's literally Dragula and chocolate. So, yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I completely understand. <laughs> yeah. Basically chocolate and plus like fandom is basically for me, like I'm a massive yeah. Star Wars geek. I guarantee you could put on any one of the Star Wars movies or shows, put candy in front of me and I'm in heaven. That's all <laughs> yes. I need. That's it. I'm good. <laughs> it's those little things. I, yes. I really think that. So. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we all have our way. That's so good. <laughs> it's my coping mechanism. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> I feel like um, that almost is a convenient segue into the song title, at least, of uh, the last single you put out, which was The Sad Year Katy Perry Saved My Life. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, my gosh. So true. <laughs> I love that title, first of all, because even just that title, I'm just like, we have all had that moment where something within, like, pop culture or just even something you don't expect is the thing that's just like, yep, this is what I'm latching on to because it makes me feel good in this moment. So that was pretty cool to have you surface even just within the song title. <laughs> yeah, and that's definitely, I mean, in that song, the first line is, I'm so sad I've got Katy Perry on repeat. And it's true. Um, I mentioned Friday Night and Teenage Dreams in that song. And it's because those two songs, I put on repeat like over and over again it was Katy Perry and Lizzo mm -hmm. is all I listened to for all of 2019 I did not listen to like any throwback stuff I didn't listen to any of my favorite like 
bands I liked in high school, I was like, I just need Lizzo and I need Katy Perry. Um, Cause I wanted to feel good. And it's that like kind of self empowerment, that self empowerment yeah. that they kind of ooze in some of those songs. I mean, obviously some of those are about partying, but like, it just makes you feel good to listen to it. And that was like all I could handle was just feeling good with the stuff I was consuming. So. Yeah. I, I definitely relate to the Lizzo because I think that's all I pumped for yeah. at bare minimum the whole summer of 2019. I think I just had Lizzo's yeah. album on loop and I'm just like, this feels good. My brain's liking this. We're going to keep doing that. I, <laughs> so, know. I think that's why I related so deeply to your, to your song because it was just like all of these things that you think about and absorb as like that bit of serotonin or that momentary thought like the whole like daydreaming about leaving LA and all these different things that you consider doing different to feel better or to feel something different at least and stuff I connected very deeply with that because for one it's something I think I, I'm doing pretty much every day of this year is having those kinds of thoughts and kind of finding those things to latch onto that kind of make it to where you're not stuck in that sad space you know I do. Yeah. And that's exactly what I was trying to get across in that song. So that's awesome because I was definitely trying to justify having all those different feelings and feeling like, um, you know, just looking for acceptance, but also knowing it's okay to not be okay. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's such a fine line and, you know, I think you have bad feelings, you have sad feelings, you have anger to, to tell you things and you have to pay attention to why you're having those feelings. But sometimes you just need to feel good and that's okay too. Yeah, just kind of like embrace the different moods that you have. And if it's like, there's a yeah. reason why your brain's telling you you need that like one thing that works for positivity in that moment because you're kind of either protecting yourself or you kind of need to give yourself a break from those happy feelings for a moment mm -hmm. and stuff. And that's so amazing to me how you just captured that in that song so oh cool well thank you so much <laughs> <laughs> thank you yeah man Lizzo came out on a great like I discovered that Lizzo record the same year I got a divorce so I really needed that Lizzo record oh, you know like chef's God kiss bless <laughs> I know chef's kiss like thank you Lizzo <laughs> like you are a goddess she honestly just keeps giving. I started following her on TikTok and my life <laughs> is so much better because of it. <laughs> yeah, I so I don't even use TikTok really. I have a TikTok account and I follow a few dressmakers and huh? Lizzo. Just so I can see people like make cool shit I don't know how to make and also yep. Lizzo being a badass. Like, cool. Like, She's look, so goofy too because it's like, yeah. I like even the stuff where it's like she's cooking and stuff right and it's just yeah. like just that in itself just it sparks joy it must be in my life <laughs> i i truly love everything like yeah she's great yeah <laughs> oh my gosh well i think that your music is definitely doing something great for a lot of us also that is very kind of you to say thank you i appreciate hearing that and of course it makes me feel good you know, to, to know that something I care so much about is, you know, landing for someone else and making them feel good or feel, feel like understood that that makes me feel very good. So 
even if it's not good feelings. Thank you. <laughs> I'm glad. Lots of, lots of feelings, mostly good. <laughs> Great. Hell yes. Please, do, I, people tell me sometimes they cry. They're like, oh, I cried so hard. And I'm like, thank you. Thank you. Um, so, but yeah, it means a lot. Seriously, thanks. Of course. Um, you know, maybe along that similar vein, what's something you kind of hope your listeners will get out of listening to Tiny Stills? Um, it's always my dream that people who listen to Tiny Stills will find a phrase or a lyric that they connect with so much that if they had an AIM profile, they would put it as their away <laughs> message. Truly, I, it's my dream that I can say something in a way that makes people go, oh my God, that is exactly what I was thinking and I couldn't, I didn't know how to say it and now I feel like I get it. So it's my, it's my hope that people really connect with the lyrics and feel like they see themselves in them. Absolutely. Um, if anything, um, I feel that big time with some of your music, in fact, because I was planning to go to Disneyland in August and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Just do a lyric with that. I was just like, damn, that would be really cute to like walk around Disneyland with like that song in like an earbud or something. Oh, good. And I was just like, <laughs> that's going to become like a goal for when I do finally make it over to like Anaheim is do something cute like that. I like to do those yeah. kinds of things with music and stuff and like put myself in sometimes in the physical space of like what's being described in music and stuff. And I think that one would be particularly cute to do. Oh, well, I hope you do that. If you do, like, <laughs> you need to send a picture of me and be like, thumbs up. <laughs> Guess what I'm doing? <laughs> I promise I will. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you should. I will laugh <laughs> and like it a lot. So. Oh my gosh. Um, so what's something that maybe people don't know about tiny stills that maybe you'd want to tell them um think. i feel like there are so many like cool weird things um i guess the one thing that i can think of that is kind kind of cool is or the thing that i like a lot um, basically every t-shirt or piece of merch in the last 10 years that I ever see anyone wearing was packaged or sold directly to them by me. Mm -hmm. Um, there's not a lot of people who can say they bought merch from somebody else at a show that I've played or, um, even, you know, buying it from our merch store. Like I package everything. I write notes on everything, you know, to everybody, um, and I just feel like every time I see someone wearing a shirt or like to post a picture of like our record on the internet, I'm like, I literally did that. Like, I, I feel like it feels very personal to me. Um, and it's cool because the first record we did, um, I changed the cover depending on when I was selling it. So I can tell when you got the CD that you got based on what's on the cover. Yeah. Um, and no one else really knows that. Like, I don't even think the guys know that, that the first <laughs> record has like multiple covers and that like, I can tell when you got it, if it was at a show or if it was like a first pressing or whatever, because like, I, I really designed everything with that first record and the liner notes are even like handwritten liner notes that were photocopied like a zine, like a punk zine. So um, it's very like close to my heart, everything about this project. I love that. And I feel like yeah. 
people who consume your music or like who grab your merch and stuff I know for me whenever I see artists do that and stuff it does feel personal for me as somebody who receives that because it's just like I feel like I can understand how special it is how important it is to you and like just how much you care too so I think it's super cool that you do that yeah, it feels really cool. And also, I got a picture of someone who sent me a photo of a Tiny Still shirt they found at a Goodwill in Phoenix, Arizona. So let me say also to Phoenix, Arizona, I see you. I see <laughs> you. And I know you gave that shirt to Goodwill in Phoenix. It's fine. But I'm letting you know, I also get photos of the shirt at Goodwill. So oh. I feel responsible for the Goodwill shirt, too. But, yeah. <laughs> That's so wild. The... One, it would end up at a Goodwill too that the picture even reached you. I was like, because I have friends in Phoenix still and they're like, hey, check out what I saw at Goodwill. And I'm like, why are you sending me this? I'm like, I, like first of all, I get it because it's funny. Like my friends are also in bands and they're kind of saying like, fuck you. But also I'm like, come on. Like, do I really, you're gonna, I guess I would do it to them. So they're just trolling me. My friends are just trolling me and it's okay if you don't want a shirt anymore you don't need to keep a shirt I'm not trying to like advocate for people to like keep all the stuff that they have like you don't need it also but like my friends just troll me I guess if you see a shirt in Goodwill send it to me send me a picture I'll laugh at least I'll laugh you know so it's fine that's awesome <laughs> I feel like it's a new level of like being punk and DIY is when your shirt ends up in Goodwill like it's just this if someone is texting a picture of your shirt in Goodwill, I don't know. It's it's a rite of passage, and I, I feel like I've gone <laughs> So, fuck it. I don't know. Oh, my gosh. That's so wild, and I love it. Mm -hmm. um, I know you just mentioned the shirt in Goodwill as being kind of like a punk rite of passage, but um, yeah. I'm yeah. kind of curious. What are some of your goals you might have as Tiny Stills? Oh, man. I don't know. It would be great to make another record. The, the record place that we printed our last record um, is out of business now. So it got mm. sold. I would love to make another full length record. I would love to tour again. I'd love to tour in Europe. We've never toured in Europe. We've only toured in the United States. Um, God, I'd love to tour again. I mean, it's hard to say when that's coming back, but um, that's a goal still. It's always a goal. That's awesome. Well, yeah. I'm, I hope that things get safe in the foreseeable future and that you get back on the road for sure. Thank you. Me too. So I always like to ask at the end of the interview, if you could play a show with any three bands or artists, they can be currently active or you can bring them back from the dead. Who would it be? Um, I would want to play with Rilo Kylie, um, Courtney Barnett, and Phoebe Bridgers. Ooh, I love your lineup here. I feel like that would be such a cool lineup. Um, yeah. Wow. It's kind, of, it's kind of like an alt indie lineup too. It's it's kind of like alt rock and indie rock kind of combined. Um, but yeah, I love all of them. There's there's so many people I'd love to play with. Um, yeah, it's probably a never ending list, but yeah. <laughs> those are the three, I like it. I'd and pick I, those right now, yeah. 
<laughs> that list is stacked, first of all. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. And also, I feel like you totally could play shows with any one of them, honestly. Like, according to Barnett, BB Bridgers is totally, it could happen. And I always ask this question because I send a vibe into the universe that these cool opportunities come your way. Because oh, thanks. I've, I've seen it happen is the thing I had. I've had a couple of times where I've had people who come on the podcast and within like a year, they're like, oh yeah, I'm opening for this band. I'm like, what? Wait, it actually happened. And it's so awesome. Yeah. So I'm well, just I'd love that. cheap powers. Let's make this happen. Hell yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would love to, yeah, let's do it. Do it. Send out the, all the vibes, please. We'll, make, we'll do our best to make it happen. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um it's been so much fun talking to you Kaylin where can everybody keep up with tiny stills and find you on the internet yeah you can find all of our socials um, at tiny stills and you can find merch and tour dates uh, at tinystills.com awesome everybody yeah. be sure to give tiny stills a follow get all the music because it's fantastic and it will make you feel a lot of things but mostly good <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> this Craigslist bed is all I can afford since we split our lives in two.
You just heard Tiny Stills. Thank you so much to Kaylin for a fun conversation and for sharing all that has gone into her band's latest music. They've been crushing it this year between being able to find ways to make videos during a pandemic and continue to just keep pushing on and sharing their music. I know it's helped me a lot through this really odd year. <laughs> um, be sure to stream and support Tiny Stills' music. It's fantastic. And you'll have a lot to look forward to whenever... Uh, we get to have the all clear to go to shows again. Can't wait for to be able to see Tiny Stills, that's for sure. That's it for this week, but you can always keep up with Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion online. Find episodes, links, articles, and more at angrygirlmusic.com. Get in touch with me through email at angrygirlmusic at gmail.com or on Twitter and Instagram at, at angrygirlmusic. If you're interested in being a guest on the pod, reach out and let's chat about what you're working on. Pledge your support for Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion on Patreon at patreon.com slash angrygirlmusic. Special thanks to our monthly patrons Molly O'Malley, Kendra Mamula, Carly Commando, John Kitsy, Kitzmiller, Sam Zarowitz, Orla Tinsey, and Erica Fries. Thanks for listening. Till next time, stay angry and do what you can to take care of yourself. Bye for now. I wanna take you to Disneyland I wanna ride Space Mountain again and again and again You make this modest mouse feel like Superman When I'm with you